Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Because um, there was some ridiculous amount of rainfall that fell. Um, so I'm sorry if you were the ones that were left here having to endure that. Um, I will no doubt get my fair share of rain in my lifetime, so I, I enjoy the sun while I can. Um, for those of you who maybe are here for the first time, it's great to see you, great to, for you to be with us. Uh, my name's Matt, I'm the, the leader here at Ivy Church Didsbury. And um, we've been going through a series called Hidden Hope. Uh, we are in our year of hope as Ivy Church, and we are in a series of Hidden Hope where we're looking particularly at the Old Testament and looking at scriptures which point to, uh, point to the hope that is Jesus, uh, point to uh, something that people can hold on to um, because Jesus is coming. Uh, and we are gonna, we're exploring that a little bit and understanding that you know what, we have a hope. That we don't have to go through this life feeling hopeless. We don't have to face situations that we find feeling hopeless. We've got uh, what we've branded as our washing line of hope down here at the front. And um, these are all things to do with hope. The brown tags there are what people have written on as things they are hoping for. What are you hoping for in 2019? That might be something big, it might be something major, it might be something that you've been hoping for for many years, or it might be something small. And then the white tags here are hopes fulfilled, things that people have been praying for and have seen breakthrough in, and my prayer is that come December, come the end of 2019, we uh, we have to build another washing line of hope because we've got so many white tags of seeing how God has stepped in, how he's answered our prayers, how we see the hopes have been fulfilled. You know, I believe in a God who does that. I believe in a God who does that, and this morning we are... As we look at um, and continue in our series of Hidden Hope, we're going to hopefully learn that we have a hope. We have a hope, and particularly um, because of the Spirit, we have hope. So, moving on, I want to ask you a quick question. What do you think of, what's maybe the first thing that comes to mind when uh, you hear the word Spirit? Now, I'm I'm talking about the Holy Spirit here. I'm not talking about the spirit you might um, enjoy down at the pub um, or on a nice summer's day with a a tonic in it or something like that. What spirit, what do you think of when you hear of the word spirit? What comes to mind? You see, for me, I think we all have uh, an idea in our head. We have an assumption of who the spirit is, what he does, what's his role, why was he sent how, could, how does he work in our lives? We all have sort of our own assumptions due to either our own experiences or what we've been taught. I think for some people, and we see in some churches, they sort of keep the Holy Spirit at arm's length. And they're a little bit like, whoa, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to engage in that sort of thing. And then you've got other churches who are just like, if, if the Spirit was a swimming pool, they are running and they are diving straight in. Surround me with the Spirit. It's all about the Spirit. Yeah, you, you, we've got, we're, we're on this spectrum, aren't we, as church? If we talk about church globally, we're on a spectrum. And I wonder 
where you are on that. I just want to share with you a story um, of when I sort of first really experienced the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm sure if you ask a number of young people, or maybe you when you were younger, you would maybe have a, a similar experience. I was about, I was 16 years old. Um, and I'd gone to Soul Survivor for a couple of days. I hadn't even booked on for the whole week, but it was just a random decision that a friend of mine and myself made that we would just go for like two nights. And we happened to be there on like the Holy Spirit night. And the first thing about that is it's like it's become a, a thing that we build up to. It's like it's, it's a climax of an event. Um, and if you've ever been to that or you, maybe you've done Alpha, I mean, Alpha have the Holy Spirit day. And it seemed to be this climatic thing, and I can I can vividly remember we were in the tent, the big the big top tent, uh, and Mike Pilavachi's on the stage, and we've had the sermon and we've had the worship, and now now's the time the spirit will come, and he's like, and he's here, and it's in the room, and I'm like, is it? And he's like, he's moving from left to right, and like as he started doing this, like people started to shout and make funny noises. And some people started shaking and some people fell over. And no joke, someone was like carried out past me. I remember that. Like someone physically like lifted up by four people and marched out sort of thing. Like they've been overcome with the spirit. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because we can experience that. Maybe you have experienced that. You know, when we get overcome with the spirit, that may be the way in which it uh, is physically um, transpires. But... What I want to say is that it doesn't have to always be like that when we're, we experience the Spirit. You know, in that moment, in that night when I was 16 years old, I, I felt like I needed to shout something or I needed to do something that was um, out of the ordinary. I, I, I guess you could call it, I was experiencing what um, young people call FOMO, which is the fear of missing out. It's like, I've, the Spirit's here, I've got I've to do something, like, just shake me or... Send me to the floor, Lord, something like that, so I can experience the Spirit. And, you know, I was young and I was immature because I believe we, we can experience the Spirit every single day of our lives in the mundane and in the extraordinary if we allow Him to. If we allow Him to and we're in tune with Him. And so if you're up for it this morning, um, I want us to experience the Spirit. Now, that might be in some crazy way, I, I, you know. He may well want to come and he may well want to floor all of us. Hey, come on. Some people are up for that. They're, they're on the spectrum where they want to dive in. Yeah. Others of you sat there being like, please, no. You're on the spectrum where you're a little bit like, oh, maybe not. Yeah, but I, want, I believe that the Spirit's here. I believe that he wants to speak to us. I believe he will speak to us if we let him. And we invite him in to do that. And so at the end of, uh, of the talk and when we... We go into a time of response. We're going we're gonna to have that. We're just going to have space for the Spirit to come and to move. And um, I wasn't here last week, but I heard that God was doing amazing things. Kind of, kind of gutted that I wasn't here. You know, I missed out. And oh, we want to continue that. You know, God's moving in this place every Sunday. And we want to continue, continue and build that momentum. And we want to raise our faith and we want to grow in our hope. That's what we're looking at. I believe that the Spirit can reveal to us truth about who God is. And because of that, he gives us hope. 
I know that from the, from the stage here, a number of times I've talked about the, my, my lack of um, green-fingeredness, of being able to care and look after plants. And um, when my, my wife and I moved into our last house, um, when we first, our first home that we bought, uh, we got given a gift. It was an orchid, and uh, it was lovely, very pretty. Uh, and obviously it was in bloom at the time we were given it and so it went on the the shelf not on the shelf on the windowsill and we we enjoyed this flower and it was lovely and but then after a while probably because we didn't really tend to it didn't really care to it it died and the flower's no longer there and if you know what an orchid looks like if it's not got a flower it just looks like a dead stick in a pile of soil I'm like why on earth have we got this dead stick in a pile of soil sitting on my windowsill. It's not very pretty. And I was told, no, no, it will reflower. Like, it will rebloom. Give it time, give it time, it will reflower. And lo and behold, after however long, it reflowered and it was beautiful. It was pretty again. And we're like, oh, look at that, it's come back to life. But then it died and I'm left with this stick in a pile of soil on my windowsill. And why am I telling you this? Because this morning when we, we jump into scripture, we're going to be looking at a time in history that looked dead. The situations looked dead. Uh, the future looked dead. And in that place, God speaks a message of hope and brings life. You see, with the orchid, it looked dead. Yet within it, underneath the surface, something that I couldn't see, there was life. And it kept on being reborn. And I hope that we today can speak into some of those situations that maybe we're facing and speak life into them. So I just want to set the scene before we jump into scripture. It's, uh, we're going to be looking at Isaiah and um, Isaiah is talking about understanding the context of the time in history. This is uh, looking at Israel, the kingdom of Israel. The, these are the chosen ones, God's chosen people. Um, and they were united all together for one. But now, when we come into where we're going to be reading, it's divided. They're split. So what once was a united nation is now divided into two. You've got tribes in the north and you've got tribes in the south. You've got Israel and you've got Judah. And Isaiah comes onto the scene and what we, we see is how Isaiah is he's frustrated He's, he's angry, he's annoyed because he sees the state of affairs within his nation, within the nation that was God's chosen people who were doing so well, who were, who were following the laws that God had given, who, who loved him, who would do anything for, for their God and for their people was now torn in two. And that chasm between them and God was growing bigger and bigger. That chasm between them and their neighbour was growing bigger and bigger. You see, he saw and felt the same grief, the same pain that God felt towards his people. I really believe that he felt Have you ever felt that before? Have you ever felt that? You, you've seen something like the injustice of the world and it just gets you. I believe that's what Isaiah was feeling because that's what God was feeling. You see, the people had turned their back on God. They thought that my way was the best way. It's interesting, isn't it? If we look outside at society, has anything changed? Has anything changed? Are there people out there that think their way is the best way? That the gap between the wealthy and the poor are growing bigger and bigger and bigger? 
You see, the situation for many was hopeless. And Isaiah was someone who felt God's grief over this. He saw that the character and the culture of his nation was changing, not for the better, but for the worse. I think we can see that in society today, can't we? The character and the culture of people is changing, not always for the better, but for the worse. I wondered, as I said, do you ever feel that? See, God is a God of justice. We read in the Bible how he's here uh, to, to seek and save the lost. He, he's there for the orphan, for the widow, for those that are on the fringes, for those that are misunderstood. That's who God came to, to save, who he came um, specifically to. Do we feel that? Do we actually feel that? Or do we think, actually, do you know what? My life's good and so therefore it's all great. When there's injustice going on in this world, there's, there's hurt, there's pain, there's brokenness. But what is amazing, and what's amazing about this passage, because it's, it's situated towards the beginning of Isaiah, and the beginning of Isaiah is a lot of death and destruction and judgment. This is what's going to happen to you because you've gone your own way. This is what he's saying. Yet in the midst of all of this, God speaks. God speaks, and he doesn't speak a word of death and destruction, but he speaks a word of hope into him, into, into Israel, and into their future. I wonder what situations you're facing today. Do you need God to speak a message of hope, a message of life, a message of promise? You see, God uses Isaiah to speak two really key messages to, um, to Israel. He, he speaks of their destruction. He says, you know what, because of what you've done, you're going you're gonna to be chopped down. And we see that that word is fulfilled about 20 years later or so. Um, these people called the Assyrians come and they overthrow the North Kingdom. And they plunder all their wealth and they sell everyone into captivity. The word became true. God's word was fulfilled. And then he speaks a second word. And this word is a word of hope. A message of hope. You see, he foretells the coming of a teacher. Someone who's going to teach those who are faithful how to live God's way. And he's going to make a way for them to restore relationship with God. It's going to be their saviour, their messiah. You see, these people were crying out for a messiah, for a king. That's what they were longing for. And he speaks into that. And he says he's going to come. But as we're going to read, it's not going to be how you think. It's not going to be the king that you're thinking of. See, Isaiah spoke many words uh, from the Lord, and, and a lot of them, as I've said, are about death and destruction and judgment. But it's always followed. If you look at the end, the, the last section of Isaiah, it's always followed by hope. You see, God doesn't stop at death and destruction, but he makes a way for us. You see, we may be in a situation where it's dark and we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but there is hope. I want you to know this morning that we should have hope. We can have hope. Why? Because of Jesus and more and specifically this morning because of the spirit we're going to be diving into this picture of hope because that's what's hidden we're talking about hidden hope hidden in and amongst all of this there is this message this picture of hope so if you've got a bible maybe you want to open it maybe you want to switch it on or if you want to read from the screen with me I'm reading from the message version so it may be slightly different to um, what you have in front of you let's get stuck in it's Isaiah 11 uh, 1 to 10 and it says this it says a green shoot 
will sprout from Jesse's stump. Like that, that in itself is interesting. The fact that they say Jesse's stump, not David's stump. Jesse, the father of David. Why doesn't he just say from David's stump? Because David was this great king. Yet actually, if you look at the story of David and how he came about being king, it's like, it was a, it's a humility thing here. You know, Jesse sent all of his sons before David, the, you know, the strong, the big, the handsome, the one that you would think would be king. And yet the least likely, the little shepherd boy who he'd forgotten about out in the fields was actually the one who was made to be king. He's saying here that the king, the shoot that's coming, the king that's coming, the saviour that's coming is going to be coming in humility. He's not going to be who you think he is. He's not going to be born in a palace. He's not going to have all, all the riches that you think, yet he is going to be the one who makes a way. He says, from his roots, a budding branch, the life-giving spirit of God will hover over him. We're going to look at this a little bit later. The spirit that brings wisdom and understanding. The spirit that gives direction and builds strength. The spirit that instills knowledge and fear of God. Fear of God will be all his joy and delight. He won't judge by appearances, won't decide on the basis of heresy. He'll judge the needy by what is right, render decisions on earth's poor with justice. His words will bring everyone to awed attention. A mere breath from his lips will topple the wicked. Each morning he'll pull on sturdy work clothes and boots and build righteousness and faithfulness in the land. What an amazing picture that is. The wolf will romp with the lamb. The leopard sleep with the kid. Calf and lion will eat from the same trough. And a little child will tend them. Cow and bear will graze the same pasture. Their calves and cubs grow up together. And the lion eats straw like the ox. The nursing child will crawl over the rattlesnake's den. The toddler stick his hand down the hole of the serpent. Neither animal nor human will hurt or kill on my holy mountain. You see... He's painting a picture that is different to culture, isn't he? Like that shouldn't happen. The animals shouldn't be living like that in harmony with each other. You shouldn't be able to stick your hand down a viper's nest and not be bitten. Yet this is what the Messiah, this is what the Saviour is bringing. He's bringing challenge. He's going to flip the earth upside down almost in sense of what your expectation is. He's doing something different. It's a new thing. This is God's thing. The whole earth will be brimming with knowledge, uh, with knowing God alive, a living knowledge of God, ocean deep, ocean wide. On that day, Jesse's root will be raised high, posted as a rallying banner for the peoples. The nations will all come to him. His headquarters will be glorious. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this message of hope that we see here. Father, I pray that your spirit would be at work in us this morning. Thank you that you are already here with us. And Lord, we pray, have your way. Lord, would you use uh, my words? Uh, let them be your words, Lord. Speak right to the heart of it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, God reveals here through Isaiah um, to his people that the Messiah is coming. He's like, the best is yet to come. That the, the new king will, will rise and he's not going to just reign over all, but he's going to challenge. He's not going to be what you're used to. He's going to bring peace. He's going to bring restoration. He's going to bring harmony to all those who trust and follow him. You see, from the very off, from verse 1, where it says a shoot will come out of the stump, hope is present. Hope is 
present. And he's present here today. Not just for them all those years ago, but he's present here today. And we're going to find out why. You see, there's a picture there of a, a tree stump and, and a shoot. And if you look sort of geographically at uh, where this is all taking place in the, the Near East, there's, there's not many trees there. You know, trees are sort of few and far between. It's not like you, you think, do you know what? I work in the city, but I want to live in the leafy suburbs. They didn't have that option. Trees were, were, were sparse, but they were valuable. Why? Because they provided shade in the sun. They provided um, a habitat for, for wildlife. Trees were a sign of life, of water. And so what a, a poor, hopeless picture of a tree stump. Something that was once fruitful, something that was once living, that was life-giving, to be chopped down to a mere stump. Like What a sad and sorry picture that is. But that's what, he's painting the picture of Israel here. He's like, you were once this tree that were, were doing really well, and now I'm going to be cutting you down to a tree stump. But the beautiful thing about God is that he doesn't leave it there. He doesn't leave it there to be like, good luck with that. You see, there's a shoot that's going to come. There's still life. Just like I thought when the orchid was dead, this brown stick stuck in a pile of soil in my house, there is still life. And God is saying he's going to bring life to your situation. There is a hope. There's reason to have hope because a shoot will come. See, under, under David's reign, Israel was great. They were doing well. It was all going good. And I guess from that position, it's easy to praise and it's easy to celebrate. But that wasn't going to be necessarily the future. They were going to be cut down What um, from that, that despair that they were going to experience. And we see, as I've already said, you know, 20 years later, the Assyrians came and destroyed. And there's this sense of being cut back. But what was appeared to be dead there was life. What was once fruitful, fruitless became fruitful. What once was hopeless now is hopeful. Hope can be restored. You know, this is a picture. This is what we're reading of Jesus, the foretelling of Jesus. This is who's going to come. The giver of life. Jesus, the source of our joy, the source of our peace. The person that we can have hope in. He's the very reason to have hope. I don't... Uh, know if you attended but last a, a couple of Fridays ago we had a prayer meeting here um, on a Friday night you know there's a number of people in our church I'm sure there's many more than I than I even know of that are going through situations in their life that they feel like they are the tree stump they feel like what once was great what once was fruitful what once was life-giving has been chopped down in front of their eyes and it seems hopeless I know there are people in this room that are going through stuff like that and we a couple of weeks ago and this isn't just about doing a one off thing because it's not about that but we were like enough is enough because the devil wants to come to rob, steal and destroy all of God's goodness in your life he wants to make you doubt yourself he wants to make you doubt the truth that God has spoken over you that's his job what he sees as his job but you know as a as a someone who who knows and loves Jesus I know that he never wins he doesn't win not in the end 
And he doesn't have to win here while I'm here on this earth because I've got the power of God in me and I can fight whatever he is trying to throw at me. So a couple of Fridays ago, we we put a call out and it was amazing. We had over 60 people come to pray for members of our church family to say, do you know what? Enough is enough. We're not standing for it anymore. And I want to encourage you, if there are things that are going on in your life or if you're just like, do you know what? I want to wage war because we're in a war, I don't know if you know that, but we're in a war, we might not be able to see it here on the earth, but we're in a war, there's a spiritual one going on. If you want to wage war, then Friday nights, Isaac leads uh, it's a prayer meeting like no other. Let's just put it that way. A prayer meeting like no other, but God is present, his spirit is present, because we don't want to say, oh yeah, it's alright if that happens, because no, we have a hope. We have a hope that God will step in because that's what his word says. That's what he promises. So come and join us Friday nights, 7 till 9, here. Or this Thursday, clear your diaries out. The whole of Manchester, as many people who are available in Manchester from the churches, have been invited to come to pray together for our city. We've been going to this for um, probably a number of years now. Ever since it started, members from Ivy have been going. And we want to see as many people there as, as possible. Because if we want to see change in this place, if we want to see change in Didsbury, if we want to see change in Manchester, then we've got to be crying out in prayer to it. We've got to be united with others in this. This isn't an Ivy thing that we're doing. This is a church thing. You know, you know we're part of a bigger thing. Even just here in Didsbury, we're not just Ivy Church Didsbury. Ivy Church is bigger than us. The church in Manchester is bigger than us. The church in this world is bigger than us. We're part of something bigger. So please come with us on Thursday. I'm going to be there. I'd love to see your face as we unite together and pray for breakthrough in our city. And why do we pray? Because we know who we're praying to. Because we have a hope. That's why we pray. And his name is Jesus, the one who is full of life, the one who is life giving. The one who is full of the Spirit, as we're going to look at this morning, how His Spirit that He had come upon Him is in us, that enables us, it powers us as we live our lives here. See, Isaiah goes on to say that the Messiah is going to come with wisdom, with understanding, with power. See, He he introduces um, to us what, what a life filled with the Spirit is like. What is a life filled with the Spirit like? Maybe you know someone who's like just really in tune. You're like, oh, they're just, they're just on it all the time. On it, like, they've got the Spirit in them. It's the Spirit that's at work in them, that's in, making them in tune with God. Just like, uh, like Isaiah had that same grief. The Spirit working in us. And what's amazing is that in this, in this text, this is like the, the hiddenness, the, the hope that is being revealed is that this person is not going to come and be anointed like everybody else you know with oil. He's going to come and be anointed with the Spirit. It says that later on in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 61. It says how he's going to come and be anointed with the Spirit. We see that, don't we, when Jesus comes, um, when he comes to earth and when he's baptised, what happens? The Spirit of the Lord descends upon him, comes upon him. He is filled with the Spirit. And we see here in Isaiah, what is that Spirit? What are we talking about when we say the Spirit? It says he has the Spirit of the Lord because he is God. 
Sometimes we, you know, they're three, God, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, but they're all together. They're three, but they're all together. It's a mind-blowing concept. I just wrote an essay on it, and I didn't know what I was writing, because it's so complex in some respects, but he is God. Spirit of understanding, he understands all things. Whatever you're facing, he understands. He's not far and distant, but he's close. He's a spirit of direction. You see, he can give you perfect counsel and guidance. He's a spirit of strength. That means he's all-powerful. And I read this thing that some people might be all-powerful and want to help you because they have power, but they don't because they don't love you. They've got the power to help you, but they don't because they don't love you. Then you've got other people who really love you, but they haven't got the power to help you. I know someone who's got both. I know someone who's got all power and all love who wants to help you in your situations. He's got the spirit of knowledge. He is all-knowing. He knows everything about you and everything that you will or won't do. He's got the spirit, the spirit of the fear of God. And that's not fear as in being scared. That's a fear of being in awe being in awe now this is where it gets exciting that that same spirit the spirit that descended upon Jesus in his baptism who um, he speaks about who he goes around with his ministry that same spirit that was upon him has been given to us is that not amazing that the same spirit that has been given to him that we see at work and at minister in Jesus has been given to you what does he say to his disciples before he goes so I'm giving you the spirit I'm sending the Spirit to be uh, an advocate, to be with you as you go. When you're in Jerusalem, do not leave until the Spirit comes. This isn't something you go and do on your own. As a Christ follower, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So often we can picture God up in the clouds and we think, where are you? He's here. If you're a Christ follower this morning, he is here. He is living in you through the Spirit. Jesus promises us the Holy Spirit. And if that's not a reason to have hope this morning, then I don't know what is. The fact that the Spirit of the living God is inside of me. Now that doesn't make that everything is easy, but it means I've got a hope. It means I've got a hope because I know that the Spirit of the Almighty God lives in me. Can I invite the band up please? That would be great. See, Jesus started his ministry, um, if you read, he starts his ministry quoting scripture from Isaiah. He quotes this scripture, and on finishing, it says how, it's, I love this, he's like, it's, it's on a scroll. He's like, he's opened up the scroll like this. He's like, quoting the scripture that they all know from, um, from Isaiah, and he's, he reads it out to them. And then afterwards, he rolls back down the scroll, hands it back to them. He goes, what I've just read, what you just heard... It's here. It's fulfilled. It's me. That hope, that Messiah, that Saviour that you've been reading about, he's here. Hope is here. A way has been made and not only is it here for, for him in his context, but when I say hope is here, it's here this morning. Or whatever time it is, 12.02 on the 23rd of June 2019, hope is here because the Spirit of the living God is here. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.